0: Alright, uh, you got your Bibles, let's go to, uh, we're finishing the setup here, let's go to Romans chapter 8, and uh, start at verse 31, am going to read through the end of the chapter and then we'll get into the message tonight. As you can see, we're going to be discussing, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Romans eight thirty-one. what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or sword, or pearl, as it is written? For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, here's the key now, yet in all these things we, Christians, believers, are more than what? Conquerors through him who loved us, speaking of Christ, for I am persuaded, and here's Paul's strong statement now, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I pray now that as we open up the Only book you've ever given us to read, the precious Bible. I pray now that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. I know most everybody in this room has placed their faith and trust in Christ. And I pray now that as we open this up, as we look at the blessed assurance that we have in Christ, that we'd walk out of here excited, thrilled, motivated about where we're going to spend eternity and about what we can do while we sojourn here on this earth. So, Father, I pray that you do what we always ask you to do, please. Would you revive the saved and saved any lost? In Jesus' precious name, amen. How have you ever, think about this, have you ever won any kind of a prize or an award or at least uh, uh, been recognized for something good that you've accomplished? How does that make you feel inside? Well, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel secure makes you feel happy if you will and uh, uh we like to win things we like to be recognized for the good things that you accomplish have you how do you feel when you succeed now we're just talking about and this could be in anything uh maybe it could be in music maybe in scholarships or scholastics maybe in uh other things that you might take part in sports uh i mean there's so many different things that uh, people get Awarded for, rewarded for, and and again, when we think about those things, when you when when you see children, maybe in a, a sporting event, and quite and it doesn't, it, quite frankly, doesn't matter how old you are. But if you're involved in a sporting event and you're given everything you got and you don't win, or you don't come in second place or third place, and you're lucky to get a participation award. And uh, it's like, ah, you know, I wish I could have done better. I wish I could have been the one on the podium kind of thing. I wish I could have gotten recognition. And sometimes it makes you not feel so good. Do you realize, Christian, that you've already won? You've already won. And what we're looking at tonight is, in Christ, you've already conquered sin You've already conquered death, and you've already conquered knowing exactly where you're going to spend eternity. What we're going to spend a great deal of time on tonight as we go through the message, many of you in this room have come up to me, and you're struggling with one particular question. How do I know that I'm eternally saved? I messed up. I've done something wrong and I feel I've disappointed God. Or you think about a family member, somebody that you know, and it's like, man, at one point in time, they they made a profession of faith in Christ. And to your best of your knowledge, it was true. It was real. It was the real deal. And now something happens, and all of a sudden, their life is upset. I had a lady call me last uh, yesterday while I was here with... Uh, sitting in my office working on things for today while the lift was going on, uh, and I saw right on the telephone, it said, uh, not in your area, so I'm like, okay, so somebody watched the TV program that we do, by the way, uh, we just recorded, where's Josh, there you are, we just recorded nine programs in one day, and they're half hour programs, so we uh, Josh uh, McLean, who's our producer, he'd been laid up for three months in the hospital part of that, and he finally got back, so he's like, we need to pound him out. So we pounded him out. So make sure you start, uh, if you don't watch Prophecy Focus on TV 30, it's on three times a week. Uh, you, the schedule actually is in the bulletin when we're on. And we're also on the VCY radio, not not America, VCY radio. Uh, FM 107.7, or you can get it on a, on your app uh, Saturday at 1.30 p.m. We're on every Saturday at that point. But she calls up, having seen the, I always put our my phone number out there, and uh, she's like, uh, can I ask you a question? I'm like, of course you can. And she says, you know, I have a granddaughter, and I believe with all my heart that she trusted Christ several years ago. I'm like, well, about how old is she? And she's like in her early 20s. I'm like, all right, so what can I do for you? She said she's living with her boyfriend, and I know she's having intimate relations with him. She said, I know the Bible talks about uh, putting your faith and trust in Christ for salvation, which I believe she's done, but then the Bible also says in another passage, no fornicator under the kingdom of God. And I said, well, that's that's a... That's an interesting issue now, isn't it? And I said, well, here's, and here's what I told her, and here's how I explained, at least from my perception, as to how to answer that question. On one hand, we say, once saved, always saved. Amen? Amen. But on the other hand, here's a young lady <clears throat> who's <clears throat> in an immoral relationship, and you know why she's, this is interesting, and uh, I'm giving some counsel as we go through this here you know what the big issue was, why they're living together and not married? Because they want the big fancy, super fancy wedding, and they can't afford it. And they're saving up and living basically together until they can get enough money to get married. So I'm like, well, that's interesting. And she's like, ah, it's terrible. I I don't know how to deal with this. I said, well, here's here's the issue. So the Bible makes it very clear in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, which is one of the many verses we'll look at tonight. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So I'm like, if your granddaughter truly placed her faith and trust in Christ at some point in time, she knows beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that she trusted Christ at some point, which obviously before this relationship started, she's a saved young lady. And I said, well, how then do we go to the other passage which says that uh, no fornicator... We'll inherit the kingdom of God. And I said, well, it's quite simple. You see, we all sin. Nobody's perfect. If indeed, and again, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but do you know one of the biggest things when Paul was preaching in Corinth and he was preaching to the Christian people, what was their biggest sin in the church? It's fornication. So I'm like, listen, uh, uh, here's, the de- here's the deal. She is technically doing the intimate act with one person, one person only. And I said, I certainly don't endorse it, but she's not one who's going around bar hopping person to person, if you will, really out of control. So I said it's wrong, and I agree it's wrong. But if she truly trusted Christ, she's still going to heaven. Now, we could talk about rewards from 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5.10. Yeah, the rewards aren't going to be there if the Lord comes anytime soon. But this is a real dilemma. Now, I got you thinking, right? It's like, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? We could do what ifs till all night. We don't know all the answers. We don't know what the person's heart is. But what I want to assure you of is that if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ at some point in time, the question over and over that I receive is, how do we know that once saved, always saved? Father, I pray now that as we open up the word of God to look at what your word says, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this evening. Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you made it expressly clear that every single person whose trust placed their faith and trust in Christ, even though we're justified, positionally clean before you, We still know that there's a process called sanctification, which is that continual ongoing process of becoming more like you. So, Father, I pray that as we look at the verses that you've given us on eternal security, I pray for those that especially that have, maybe they've done something a little off kilter. They've done something that they're not happy or proud of, and uh, they're struggling right now. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand from the Word of God exactly your mind, your heart, when it comes to this thing called eternal security. So, Father, as always, we commit this to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. What the Apostle Paul is doing in Romans, then, this is an absolutely high point in the writing of Romans. It's a crescendo of the things that we have as God's people in Christ. So basically, this, this message is meant to be upbeat, it's meant to be helpful, and it's meant to be something you can walk out of here saying, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm so happy I'm, I'm saved, I'm so happy that I know Christ. So what we're going to do is examine the victory. I love that word. The victory that you already have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to Josh, we didn't discuss this, but uh, the first song we sang tonight, what was it? Victory in Jesus. I love that song. I mean, that that's one of my favorites. Uh, I heard an old, old, boy, that just it, it goes to it. It's like we have victory in Christ. Folks, uh, if I can encourage anything tonight, you got victory in Christ. You just do. Uh, you've won. Uh, it's like, well, I've, I've never won anything else. I've never won a music contest or a sports contest. I've never been given things at work or school. I've always uh, just kind of I'm there, but I try, but I never get the reward. And some of you are very rewarded and awarded for things that you've done. And, and the Bible says, listen, I want to I want to put a smile on your face tonight. I want to remind you that if you placed your faith and trust in Christ, you won the victory already. You've already won. Nothing greater than what we're going to look at tonight. So uh, you've got the outline in your hand. Let's start at Romans 8.31. And the Apostle Paul that says, What then shall we say to these things? And he's going to ask several questions tonight. And they're all basically very rhetorical, simple answers. Paul, uh, every time we ask a question, you should be able to say immediately, well, here's the answer. I know the answer. If God, the most powerful, all-knowing, never-changing God, if he's for you, who can be against you? I mean, it's like uh, it's like here, and I've told you about this before. It's like every time I, especially in law enforcement, if I had to if I had to deal with a group that was out of control or antagonistic, I always did the same thing. You usually look for the biggest baddest guy in the group. Ninety percent of the time, that person's the leader. Sometimes not, but you look for the biggest baddest guy. You go to him first. And no, I don't pick a fight with them. I win them over as quickly as possible. And when you get the big guy that everybody's, you know, shaking in their boots that he's gonna get in a fight with them, and you talk to him with respect, and you have a heart to heart chat with, with a person like that, all the other guys that are part of his group or gang as the case may be, what are they what are they doing? Well, they're standing there ready to jump in, right, in case there's a problem. But all of a sudden, you're shaking hands with the guy, and what are they doing? They're like, what's up with that? Why is is the leader shaking hands with a cop, of all things? Well, it's because you treat them with respect. You build a relationship, and you can do that rather quickly. And by the way, I never, ever, ever had an issue. Never. It always worked. Now, it might be because I was as big as most of the guys that I was dealing with, (laughs) which didn't hurt any, Uh, but anyway, when you've got the big guy on your side, so to speak, and all of a sudden that person is with you, at least maybe not in philosophy and thought, but that person's with you, all of a sudden everybody else is like, oh, okay, I guess guess this guy's okay, we're going to leave him alone. Well, that's a very poor illustration. When you have God with you, when you have the Lord with you, folks, you're invincible. You cannot be harmed if God is for you. You may in a small, where's Sheila? Where are you at, Sheila? Raise your hand up. She's so short I can't even see her hand when she's standing. Where are you at? Sheila? There you are. All right. Are you standing up? There you are. All right, good. <laughs> Now, Sheila is not the tallest person in the room. But you see, Sheila knows Christ. And as a little lady, I don't know how much you weigh. I'm not going to guess, probably 50 pounds. I don't know. A little more than that. But folks, Sheila's just as strong as the biggest guy in this room tonight because she knows Christ. Sheila can walk down the street knowing who is going to watch over her and protect her tonight. Now, it's not to say she doesn't need human protection, not to say she doesn't need the police or whatever if a situation develops, but she can walk strong tonight. I've told this illustration before, and sometimes I repeat things. You remember when I told you the story, and some of you don't know it, but uh, I was at Moody Bible Institute. I don't know if it was first or second year student there. And I go down into the subway with a group of young people and we're headed to our, uh, basically an assignment to go speak at a nursing home. And uh, I don't know what day it was, but we're down on the subway, right? Now, the Chicago subway by Moody Bible Institute is not exactly a place that's like uh, beautiful. It's kind of down, kind of stinky, and kind of rough. And here we are because we don't have money for cars and all that, so we're taking a subway. We go down to the subway, I've got three or four young ladies, another guy or two with us, and we go down there, and I don't know, this guy, these guys apparently because I was the biggest decide to get on me. So they pull a gun out, stick it in my face. For real, I mean, this, this happened. And uh, he looks at me, how many of you remember this? A couple, all right, good, so most of you don't remember, that's a good thing. So he sticks the gun in my face and says, give me your money. And I'm like, you want I mean, I literally started laughing at him. I start laughing, snickering, and he kind of looks odd at me. It's like, you know, you're supposed to be scared, right? And uh, I'm kind of laughing, and I say, hey, man, I said, do you know who you're sticking up right now? I said, I'm a college student. I go to Moody down the street. I don't have any money. And I said, nobody here's got any money. So i like, you know, I... I you probably ought to try somebody else because you're just not going to get anything out of us. We don't have anything to give. Sorry, I wish I could help you, but I can't. He takes his gun, puts it in his pocket, walks away. I mean, it, it, but it's like, uh, you know, it's like, well, shouldn't you be scared when something like that happens? Yeah, probably. But it was like it was just took me so off guard. I thought it was so funny. It's like, how do you rob a Bible school student that's broke? You know, bad choice, buddy. But listen, that's the same thing. Every single day when you're walking through life and you're wondering, is God still there? Does God care about me? Is he there? Is he going to help me through today? Now, if you were here this morning, and I'm not going to repeat it again because I don't want to start crying again. I hate when I do that, but it comes. When God does something miraculous, when God... In my case, healed me, and I'll just tell it very quickly for those in Sharon, you don't know this, and I'll, I'll tell you the quick secret. Three weeks ago, I got a, and I knew this was going to be coming down the line someday, I got a horrible diagnosis regarding my kidneys. Richard Truchon, my son-in-law, got several guys together. I didn't know he was doing it. They came into my office, prayed for me after I kind of uh, announced to him, just the family, that my kidneys were not in good shape which was something I expected to happen, um, regardless of why it just it was going to happen. I knew it. They walked in and prayed for me. And it's like I knew God still heals people. And he does. And they came in, and I was so moved that the guys came in and they prayed. And I'm serious, I didn't even remember who all was in the room. I was not happy about it. Even as the pastor, I was, it's like, are pastors invincible? No, they're not. They're human beings just like everybody else. Even though we try to walk with God and be faithful, we get scared the same as anyone else when you get a horrible report. And uh, the bottom line is they came in and prayed, and I'm like, Lord, wouldn't it be marvelous, wouldn't it be glorious if you listen to the prayers that those guys gave and did a miraculous thing? Two weeks later, I go back in to, for the doctor to kind of figure out what the next path of least resistance is. She said, Well, watch go down. Let's, let's test them one more time. I go down. Very nice phlebotomist. Didn't hurt a, didn't hurt a drop. I hardly cried. And uh, <laughs> she takes the blood. In Aurora Health, you get the results in less than 24 hours. I opened up the report and as I told you this morning the graphs were all goofy they had dots all over I didn't know if I was good bad or indifferent so I went down into the into the um, drop down menu and finally I found the actual results now my kidneys were working at about 50% function at the time and they would according to what I knew would probably come they would get worse I got the results, and they had a literal 90, closer to 100% improvement, and I was now in the excellent range. Not one of the uh, numbers in all the kidney tests was off. It was perfect. Now, folks, you say, well, how did that happen? Well, if you want, I can show you right in the back room where five or six guys got together and decided to pray for me and God listened to them, and the next thing you know, all good. Victory in Jesus. The sufficiency of Christ, which we talked about this morning. Now, folks, and it's like, do you believe in healing? I believe in healing. I don't believe in healers. In other words, uh, the apostolic gifts don't exist where where somebody would have come up and touched me and boom, you're healed. That That would happen in the New Testament all the time. But here God says, like James says, listen, you get a righteous, godly people together. They pray, and God decided to answer the prayer, and he did. Now, folks, it's nothing short of miraculous what happened. If you doubt what I'm saying, come to my office. I will be happy to show you the test results. It's there in black and white. It's undeniable. And that's the thing. And by the way, God isn't going to always do that for everyone But in my case, for whatever reason, he showed mercy on us. He listened to the prayers of God's men and healed me in a matter of less than two weeks. And it was probably the night they prayed. It was gone, done, over. Now, praise the Lord. Now, folks, God is real. Uh, He's not dead. He uh, he rose up off the cross, and he's living, and he's doing just fine. And according to his word, he's going to live for eternity. And according to this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, there's no one capable. It's a rhetorical question. Well, how about God's abundant provision? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. We're sorry, talking about God the Father. He gives his son to pay for our sinfulness, but delivered him up for us all. God sends his own son down here. Jesus is delivered up. He's put on the cross. He is crucified. He is tortured to pay for every single one of our sins. And he's like, if I was willing to do that as as the father, if I was willing to take my son and put him on that cross, then the apostle Paul brings this to us under the inspiration of the spirit. How shall he God not with him also freely give us what? All things. Now you got to be careful how you define all things. If you're looking for a Mercedes and a in a 10,000 square foot mansion, that's not what he's talking about down here. What he's talking about is spiritually speaking. God is not only going to supply all your needs, but he's everything that you need. All I need is what? we just saying it. All I need is? All I have is Christ. I mean, uh, uh, it's everything. God is everything. You say, well, you know, I, I believe God's out there. And I love coming to church, or at least I tolerate coming to church. And you show up on a Sunday, and it's like, you know, I'm looking for help. I'm looking to how how can God help me through my life? How can he help me through the trials? It's like, I really want his help. But you know what most of us do? You know, it took me a little bit of time after I got the bad news To realize that there's only one way this can get fixed, short of dialysis and a kidney transplant. God's got to intervene. And instead of immediately saying, Lord, can you do the miraculous for me? I started planning out, well, let me see. I know I can do dialysis at my home and I can sit in this chair where I can study and the machine can be hooked up to me. Uh, Immediately, I better call the doctor, make sure I get on the kidney transplant list. And I'm starting to go through all the secular, humanistic things that you would do in that situation. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me, maybe, uh, maybe how about consulting God about this first? And then in walks the guys, and God says, "Yeah, let's forget the machines. You've got too much to do, too many places to go, and uh, there it goes. But that's what he's saying here. Listen, God loves you today. Do you believe that? I mean, he does. Don't forget God loves you. And he cares about you. Again, not all of you are going to get the uh, same results on everything that you wish you would get. And by the way, there's tons of stuff I pray for it never happened. This one happened. But you know what? It wasn't me who prayed. It was the guys. By the way, are you catching on that there might be something to that? Are you catching on that maybe if You're that person that was me, of all people, me. That maybe you would say, you know, I'm not looking for, if you will, some magical thing, but would it hurt to call for the guys and say, would you pray for me? Uh, One of the things that in a Baptist church we fail to do if it was a uh, apostolic, charismatic, Pentecostal church, happens in a flash of an eye, boom! In fact, at every service they usually have folks come down and get prayed over. And we don't have to come to the front of the altar, but you can come into an office. And it's like, now you know what's going to happen. I'm going to get 50 calls this week, but you know what? You call. And if you're one of those people that's struggling and hurting, we got to start believing the Holy Spirit still works today, folks. I mean, Baptist church, Bible church, other church, doesn't matter. God has not died. Can we believe on that? Can we believe that God still is alive and well and does things in our lives? Absolutely. Don't, don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Why, he says he not with him, will he not freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Listen, the world can come at us, the world can condemn us, the government could come after us, uh, anyone can come after us, they can make false allegations, they can come after you, they can slander you, they can curse you, and yet God says, listen, if I've justified you, positionally justified in Christ, nothing the world can do can harm you. And you say, well, yeah, it can. They can take my money. They can take my house. They can put me in jail. And you know what Paul said about all that stuff? He's like, I count my life rubbish for the excellency of knowing Christ. Listen, if you're in a jail cell or at home or anywhere else, is God still there? How did Paul respond when he was thrown in jail in Philippi? He sat down with Silas and some other guys. They started doing what? They were singing hymns. You're like, are they crazy? Don't they realize how bad it is, how tough it is? No, they didn't. They're like, every place I am, no matter where I am, is an opportunity to serve God. Folks, every place you are, every place you go, everything you do is an opportunity to serve the Lord. Amen? All right. And that's what he's saying. Uh, It is God who brings the justification. Now, we're going to spend... I'm going to go through multiple passages right now. Those of you that are struggling with this concept of eternal security, so let's make sure we understand what that means. It's a theological term. All right, so let's go through very quickly the basics. I still talk with people virtually every week that understand part of the gospel, but not the full thing. And if you're here tonight and you're one of those that's like, well, I I think I got it, but not sure yet. And there's because we've grown so rapidly, and there's a lot of folks that come, we're very eclectic, especially in the morning. And there's many folks that come, and it's like they're still struggling with, how do I know that I'm saved? And I'm going to go through the gospel one more time, and uh, then we're going to explain what happens when a person truly And I I don't know if truly is a good word, but it's the best one I can come up with. But truly know that they place their faith and trust in Christ, and when they die, they'll go to heaven. They know they're a Christian beyond a shadow of a doubt. Again, every single one of you, if you listen, I go through these four points every single message at some point. Because we have people in here every single Sunday, especially Sunday morning, that are not sure if they die, they go to heaven. Every Sunday. I'm not going to point them out, but I know they're here. Because I've talked to them, and they're still struggling with this. All right, let's go through it very quickly. Number one, we're all what? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. By the way, I put a, I just had them printed up. Very nice. It matches the book. So if you go back to the track rack, there's. Uh, I got 5,000 of these that we just had made. And uh, right at the top, got the dice, are you going to a better place? So it's there. If you want to use them, take what you can use. Do not take them home and put them in your drawer or in your purse and never get them out again. If you take them, please use them, but take as many as you can use. Good enough? All right. Number one, we've all what? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Second thing, because we've sinned, if we got what we deserved, every single one of us would go to a place called, and I always start out with the lake of fire and then I go to the word hell. Most people understand what hell is even though they don't like it. So we start out, make it a little less uh, burning inside. The lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. And I always ask somebody when I'm giving the gospel to them, we're in a bad place right now. We're all sinners. We all deserve to go to uh, the lake of fire. That's not very good, is it? And of course they respond, no, that's pretty bad. I'm like, well, let's get to the good news. I like the good news. The good news is this. Number three. Jesus Christ, God's Son, comes down from heaven, dies on a cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. And I always bring up the concept of, of uh, uh, Christmas and Easter because every person in America at least can relate to that in some degree. So I'm like, uh, okay, that's what Jesus did for you. And by the way, there's almost no person, very rarely, that doesn't know those three things. Every one of them knows those three things. Well, why is it so hard for people to go to heaven then? Because what are they trusting in? They've been told and told, and they've heard pastors and priests and friends and relatives tell them what? You have to work in order to get to heaven. Do your best. Try your hardest. you got to be better than the next guy. Maybe, and it's always a maybe, maybe if you do right, you get to heaven someday. And that's what people are Hope being in. Oh, I'm trying my best. I hope to get to heaven someday. And that's where they stop. And I said, listen, let's go to the fourth point from the Bible. They already know these first three. How about point number four? Point number four says, it's not by your works. It's by what Jesus already did for you. You cannot earn heaven. Not a single. You just can't do it. And then where do we go? We do it almost every Sunday. Ephesians, what? 2, 8, and 9. For by grace, God's free unmerited gift, are you saved. Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. By grace, God's free unmerited gift. And if I'm sitting with somebody, standing with somebody, wherever I might be, I always either give them my book or a tract. And I hand it to them. And it's very much on purpose because what do they do when you hand it to them? They're talking to you. What are they going to do? They're going to take it. And I said, listen, heaven is the exact same way. Salvation is the exact same way. I just gave that to you. Did you have to pay me for it? no. Did I charge you for it? No. Did I make you do anything for it? No, I just reached it, put it out there, and you grabbed it. You accepted the free gift. Now, that's exactly what heaven is, my friend. Heaven is a free gift that you can only get by placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you. Does that make sense? And usually they'll say either yes or well, but what about? And then the objection might come. But if they get it finally, it's a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's when you realize Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, he washed it. That was for Dr. Huffman. Uh, he always sang when he preached, so I won't do that often because I can't sing. But uh, you know the song, but it gives, it gives the concept. So let's go, if, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, that's the start of the relationship. Now what we're going to do, and I won't go too long, I'll try to quit around 7, good luck with that, but I'll try. And... Uh, I want to go through verses, I'm going to give you multiple verses about eternal security tonight. So I'm going to pound them out rather quickly, but every one of the verses we're going to go through, and I I would suggest, listen, if you're struggling with this, or uh, it's just going to be good stuff that you can get that will help you to explain to others, listen, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, we call it once saved, always saved, or in a more theological sense, eternal security. John chapter 10, we'll start in the Gospels, and we'll work through to Revelation. Now it was at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. How much plainer did it need to get? But he's like, all right, let's go there. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of what my sheep, as I said to you now here it is here's one of the first great verse sets of verses on eternal security, and Jesus was talking to them about those who know him, my sheep, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give. My sheep, eternal life. And they shall what? Never, never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand I and my Father are one. Listen, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God says, I've got a grip on you that is absolutely unbreakable. I got you, and I'm not letting you go. If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. God says, I've got you, Christian, and I'm not letting you go. How many of you got dogs? Come on, be honest. All right. If you're if you're across the street or you're in your yard and your dog's out there and you go, come here, fluffy, or stuffy, or whatever your dog's name is, what is your dog, unless it's real chasing a rabbit or something, what's your dog gonna do? Is it gonna come to you or run away? <laughs> run away. That's called you need to take your dog to obedience school. But uh the bottom line is most people that have trained their doggies, uh, <laughs> when, they, when they call out, what do they do? They come a-running. I, uh, I was at, I'll uh, uh, get it messed up, Harley, Harley's home where, Garin, Harley Garin. So he raises swine pigs and, at, on his farm, with his dad's farm, actually, but he does pigs there. Harley walks up to a rail. And he he, may, he calls out. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, about a half a dozen these big giant piggies—Valley don't like when I say piggies—these huge monster swine come running out to see him. Now I could have called until the cows come home, which would be never because I don't have any cows, and uh, uh, nothing would have happened. But he—I mean—he just walks up there, and they're like, "Oh, here's our feed bag. It's called Harley." And Harley walks out there, gives a haul, and, and they all come a-running. And God says, listen, I know my sheep. My sheep know who I am. Listen, you are a sheep. I am a sheep. And you say, well, sheep aren't that smart. Well, let's not go there. But the issue is we hear God's voice. We know who he is. We love him. We care for him. And when he calls for us, we ought to come a-running. And that's what he's saying. I know who my sheep are, and nobody's going to take them out of my hand. Listen, if you place your faith and trust in Christ... God's got a sealed, solid grip on you. Romans chapter 5, Therefore, having been justified by what? Wait a minute, I thought we were justified by works. Isn't that what everybody tells us? Are you justified by faith or works? Faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace that free unmerited gift in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I mean, he's just making it clear. We're we're sealed by God's grace. We've been justified. The word justified there, and it's that legal term we've talked about many times. It's a legal term where God says, Your slate is clean, your sins are wiped clean, and you stand justified before me. It would be if you walked into the courtroom and uh, the prosecutor says, this person, uh, uh, we need to charge him with whatever the crime is, and the judge stands up there and says, "Listen, I know that person did not do the crime. Dismissed out. That person is just. That's exactly how you stand with God today." Second Corinthians five seventeen, a much more common verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, well, how do you get in Christ? Sinner, deserve eternal punishment. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for me. I received the free gift of eternal life, I placed my faith and trust in what he did. If anyone is in Christ, point number four, he is a what? It's a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That doesn't change. Now you say, well, what if I go into sin? What if I do something I'm ashamed of? What if I do something wrong? You're still a new creature in Christ. Now you messed up maybe. You did something that you're ashamed of, or that you wish you wouldn't have done. But you know what happens to God's people every time you do something wrong? Do-do, do-do, do-do. Oh. That person who's living an Im- an immoral life, and it could be, I mean, that this happens all the time. The person who's living an immoral life that's been that's placed their faith and trust in Christ. You know what happens after every time they do something they know they shouldn't be doing? Do-do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to be there knocking on their door. Because we know, and we've gone through this many a time, 1 Corinthians 3.16 makes it very clear that if you place your faith and trust in Christ, you are his temple. And God does not like when we defile the temple, and he he makes that clear. Don't defile my temple, 1 Corinthians 6.19, and we are his temple. The Bible also says, for whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. Chastens, even have a father and a son in whom he delights. Every time we get out of, out of sorts with God, every time we decide to go our own way, God's going to try to get our attention. Now, sometimes that's a severe way, sometimes not so severe, but God wants us to walk with him. New creation in Christ. Ephesians 1.13, In him, in Christ, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the what? the gospel, which I've given two, three times already tonight, of your what? Salvation. Eternal destiny with him in whom also having believed. Here it comes. Are you ready? You were, say it, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. Eternally secure. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, bam, God says, I got you. Just like a, a, a sheep that uh, a the shepherd puts the staff around with that hook, and he pulls him in, so he doesn't go over the cliff. God pulls you in. I got you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do everything I can to make you do right. Now, by the way, do sheep get ornery sometimes and want to run away from the herd or from the flock? Let's call it a flock. I got I got folks that uh, have farms and sheep and cows in the room, and it's like I got to get I got to try harder, right? Get that get those terms right. But God says, listen. I got that staff with me, and I got my rod with me. And God says uh, from Psalm 23, I take that staff. And when my sheep start to run in the wrong direction, they start to head towards the cliff. They start to head to where the wolf and the bear and the fox and the lion are. I take the staff, and I put it around their neck, and I gently pull them back in. Do you know what God's rod is for? Is he going to beat the sheep with it? Uh-uh. No, it's the wolf or the bear or the lion that's coming after the sheep. Bam! Protect his sheep. That's exactly what God wants to do for you. And what does he say here? You were sealed. Boy, that unbreakable seal again with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the what? Guarantee. Men's warehouse, I always get a kick out of, I guarantee it. I guarantee this. That God says if you're in him, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, you're guaranteed who is the guarantee of our inheritance? What's he talking about? He's talking about heaven, our eternal redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 4:30 is one of my favorite verses. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are what? Sealed. Boy, that I mean, I love that word. Sealed, sealed, sealed. God has this unbreakable hold on you. If and when you place your faith and trust in Christ, and you know you've done that. You know that you placed your faith and trust in Christ at some point. God says, I got you. I got you. You say, well, I did something I'm not proud of. I got you. I might thank you a little bit. Now listen, how many of you got children in here? How many of you are children? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. As a mom or a dad, Do the kids ever do something that it's like, man, I can't believe they did that. Oh, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. My mom used to always say what? Wait till daddy gets home. And I'm like, quite frankly, I would rather have daddy come home than mama come home. Mama was the one that really believed in corporal punishment. My dad was a lot softer. I won't go there. But let's say I still have some marks, but I can't see them. (laughs) You're not thinking tonight. Come on. That's funny. Not really. It hurt when it happened. But Mama was a tough disciplinarian, and Dad was a little bit softer. But here's the issue. Listen, when 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 your child messes up, what do you want to do? You might be frustrated with them. You might be upset with them. There may be some type of discipline that's going to accompany that. But do you hate your kid? I mean, if you're, if you're a parent that has any modicum of parental whatever, even if your child messes up, do you still love them? Do you still care about them? And we're talking about God now, the perfect one. Do you think God looks at us and he says, man, Rich really goofed up today? Instead of praying, he decided to figure out a plan on his own. So God had to bring Richard Trushawn along and some other guys to come in my office and to remind me who's in control. And I'm a pastor, yes, I've said that multiple times, and sometimes we forget who's in control. And we try and figure it out ourselves, And God says, listen, I've sealed you for the day of redemption. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he, Jesus Christ, is also able to save to the what? The uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, even when we fall on our face and we forget what we should be doing and we uh, uh and by falling on our face I don't mean to pray but we just mess up and God says listen you know what Jesus is doing for us He's making intercession for me and you The Bible says sometimes we don't know what we should even pray for I often think this Yes I believe God answers prayer Have you ever prayed for something that you really wanted Many times I think this, how did that thought get in my head? Why do I really want X? Well, I think the Holy Spirit sometimes sticks it right in our head and He's like, you ought to be praying for this. And we don't realize it's the Holy Spirit knocking at the door. Almost every major thing that I've done in life, I'll get this thought. It's like, man, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Wouldn't it be great? And I sometimes sit down after thing after thing after thing came to pass, big things at times, and it's like, how did I get that thought? Why did I start to pray for it? And I start to think, you know, the Holy Spirit does live inside of us, and maybe it's the Holy Spirit that was saying, listen, I'm going to plant that seed in old Rich's head, and I'm going to make him start praying for it, and then I'm going to answer the prayer that I actually put in his head. I think God does that sometimes basically plants the thought in our head and next thing you know we're praying about it. Next thing you know it comes to pass and it's like, woo! Praise the Lord. It happened. Therefore, He, Jesus Christ, is also able to save the innermost, those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Listen, when, when we mess up, when we're not praying like we should, Jesus is, knows your every need. But like any Father or mother, when do you, really, when you, when you like to give stuff to your kids? Now, some of us, I, I mean, if it's Christmas time, boy, sometime. And, and my son said this the other day, he's all excited. I don't know what he got me, but he knows my Father's Day present. And he's just, he's like, I may have to give it to you before Father's Day. And I'm like, you know, he's so excited about it, so I better be excited when I get it. But, uh, and I will be, I love, you know, I just love when my kids give me something. But it's like, you know what, parents, and even young people, it's like, if they really need something and you know they need it, you kind of keep it hidden for a bit. And you know they want it, you know they need it, but they won't come and ask you for it for whatever reason. And all of a sudden they come in, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, hey, whoever, you know, I was really thinking about, and they name whatever the thing is. And you're like, well, what about it? And you already got it in your bedroom hidden somewhere. And uh, they're like, well, you know, it'd be really nice to have that. And they're like, yeah, I bet it would be. All of a sudden, the birthday shows up, and the Christmas shows up, and bam, there it is. And they're like, oh, this is great. Folks, you know God wants to hear from us. You know God wants to answer your prayers, but if we don't pray, you can't answer them. I've heard it said, certainly I don't know that it's true, but God has his big, giant warehouse up in heaven with all the things that he knows we need or even sometimes want, and because we never asked for them, never got sent. Now, that's probably a silly illustration, but folks, do you spend time with God? Do you ask him for things? You know, you're going to be where I was three weeks ago someday. Maybe some of you are there right now. And it's like, I never pray. I come to church. We will say the prayers that everybody else is saying. Maybe you'll pray at meal once in a while. But you never pray at the family. You never say grace before eating. You don't say prayers with your kids before they go to bed. You never pray with your family. You never pray by yourself. How do you expect a relationship to work if you never talk? you know what the biggest, one of the biggest problems in marriages is? Communication. We don't want to talk to our spouse about a whole lot of times, or especially those deep, hard things. Shh, can't talk about that. How do you expect a relationship to grow? I'm going to go here, and I shouldn't, but I'm going to. So I've been following the, the death of Charles Stanley, great preacher, wonderful guy, and he's... A lot of things that he brought out. And, of course, Charles Stanley, one of the greatest preachers of our generation, was divorced years ago. And it's, I mean, he makes no bones about it as to what happened. I got so busy in the ministry that I neglected my wife. Now, they're both Christians. Loved each other. But all of a sudden, the marriage grew cold. Charles Stanley multi-thousand-seat auditorium. The pastor gets divorced. That's unthinkable, right? I mean, how can that possibly happen? Here's the guy that counsels others. Here's the guy that takes care of others. And I say, well, praise the Lord that he was willing to be honest about what happened. So they get divorced years ago. Now, she died, and of course, he just died. She died many years ago as well. They both lived separate lives, to my knowledge. They They moved on. The church, after he took a sabbatical, said, if you don't get married again, you can still preach here. Highly unusual, but they let him do it, and he had a great ministry. Now, whether you agree with that or not isn't the question. The question is this. If Charles Stanley, a guy who's one of the great Bible teachers of our time, of our generation, lost his marriage, do you think it can happen to you? And by the way, they'd been married for decades before they split up. Think about that. Think about it, how important, and it, it all boils down to one thing, communication. Folks, if you expect to have a good relationship with God, you've got to talk to Him. You've got to relate to Him. He'll talk to you through this book. You talk to Him through prayer. New Christians always ask, you know, I hear people pray, and it's like, I don't know how to pray like that. I don't want you to pray like that. I want you to pray like you're talking to your best friend with respect. And you talk to God and you lay out things and you tell him what's on your heart and you thank him and you praise him and you give him your set of petitions after you thank and praise him for what he's done for you and you start the relationship. And then the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And then you open up the Word of God and you speak to other people that you trust and know. And all of a sudden, this relationship begins to blossom. And it's like, every day is a good day because you're walking with God. Well, let's close out. First Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved. Folks, you got the ticket. Your reservation's secure. Heaven is going to be your home someday if you place your faith and trust in Christ, who are what? Same concept as sealed. You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation Ready to be revealed in the last time. Very quickly, 1 John 5. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, not guess, not hope, but that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Listen, folks, you believe in Jesus today. Is he your Savior? This is next week's sermon right here. What will you do with Jesus today? How's that relationship? How's your prayer life? If you've been doubting your salvation, did you at one point in time place your faith and trust in Christ? You say, I know I did, but I messed up. What did God say here? Is he lying to you? Does God lie to you? Is this word true? Yes. Then take it. And you walk out here in the assurance of what you have in Jesus Christ tonight. It's your Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Papa, Abba Father. And Daddy loves you. And I mean that with all respect in the world. Abba Father, my Heavenly Papa loves you tonight. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these dear people that came out on a Sunday night, weather's not good, but yet they came. Water fell on them, but yet they came. Father, would you help them to walk out of here with a little bit of rejoicing tonight? Would you help them to walk out saying, praise the Lord. I know Jesus is my Savior. I know at times I don't do things that are right and proper, but I'm so thankful that you are my heavenly Father. And even though I make a mistake here and there that you still love me, you still care about me, and your arms are still open to embrace me. Is that you tonight? Would you thank God for his love for you? Would you praise him for his love for you this evening? Would you thank him for his tremendous grace that he's given to you? Finally, we gave the gospel three, four times tonight. Have you yet placed your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone to get to heaven? Nothing else can get you there. We went through it over and over and over again. Would you accept that free gift tonight and stop trying to do it on your own? Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching on the Internet. Would you receive that free gift by faith tonight? You say, well, how do I do it? It's by faith. It's believing in that, which you can't see. Place your faith and trust in Jesus tonight. Have you done it? I'm so happy you have. If you're watching on the Internet, would you contact me, Pastor Rich, at Union Grove Baptist Church. It's up on the screen on the Internet. If it's you tonight that's here and it finally, it's finally, it finally made sense, you come tell me about it, would you please? And I'll help you get started in your walk with Christ. For all the rest of us that have already placed our faith and trust in Jesus, would you just grab a hold of him tonight? Would you hold on to him the way he wants to hold on to you? Would you embrace him this week? Would you read his word? Would you pray? Would you exalt him? Would you draw nigh unto Christ who is our sufficiency we come all this to you, dear Lord, in Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, amen. amen.